Good morning, everyone. It is man coverage. It is Knoxville, Nate, and I won Mr. James Bonneville, January 9th, 2022. Want to give a shout out real quick to our boy, co-host Rico McCoy. Uh, still battling a little bit of illness. I hope you're watching today, Rico. We love you, bro. We hope to have you back soon. And uh, we're going to roll on without you and just be thinking about you today because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, obviously, we have the college football finale coming up tomorrow, Monday, January 10th, 2022. The greatest coach of all time, Mr. Nick Saban versus Georgia. This is a repeat of the uh, SEC championship. We're going to see the same game that we saw a couple of weeks ago. I'm not so sure it's going to go the same. Good morning, Mr. Bonneville. What do you think? I, I, you know, I'm the same way with you. I mean, repeat games are always tough to play. Um, I, 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 I got to say, I, I can understand why Vegas is looking at uh, at Georgia and giving them three points. Um, I, I think the real testament in this game is going to be Stetson Bennett. I, I think he is going to have to play a smart game, not turn over the football and play within himself. But I, I think we're going to look at it on an offensive side. If Georgia's going to win, Bowers has got to be a huge part of that game plan. I mean, you saw what he did against Michigan. He is a nightmare to cover. And that front seven for Georgia, which is remarkable. I mean, anybody can say it. If they can get back to playing the way they did, um, prior to the Alabama game, the SEC championship, I, I, I don't see a way to go against Bama, but at the same time, it's hard to go against Nick Saban. I mean, this guy's pulled the rabbit out of his hat so many times, it's not even funny. And Bryce Young is a phenomenal talent. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, that's that's going to be the key is can Georgia get some offense going? I mean, I, yeah. I just believe that the, the Bulldogs are going to have to score points in order to win this game. I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a shootout, but Stetson Bennett's going to have to play better. Yeah. Uh, George is going to have to be able to run the football. They're going to have to use Zamir White. They're going to have to use Kenny McIntosh. They're going to have to use Kendall Milton. I mean, that's what people forget about, I think, sometimes is uh, George has got four really solid running backs. Zamir White, James yeah. Cook, McIntosh, Milton. I didn't mention James Cook there when I was talking about the running game because I actually think – He's going to be more important in the passing game. I don't know yeah. if you've watched the last few games, but they've used him primarily as a receiver. Yeah. And um, I think that'll continue. I think he's a hard cover for a linebacker. I think he's a hard cover for a safety. And uh, I don't think they're going to put a corner on him. So I think, you know, Cook could be the difference in this game. And uh, if they can run the ball a little bit and get their play action game going, you know that's where that's where Stetson Bennett is is helpful. The, the the problem here is, in my opinion, Stetson. You know, the, the, Stetson has done his best when he's been able to bail Georgia out a little bit with his legs. Um, you know, get outside the pocket if they're playing man coverage and everyone turns their backs to him. He he takes off, picks up a first down with his legs as, if he has to. I don't know if Stetson's fast enough to outrun any of these Bama guys, and I don't think they're going to give him any free yardage. So he's going to have to throw the ball, in my I, opinion. You know, I look back at the last game Georgia played against Michigan and the way they handled Jabo and Hutchinson, you had to be impressed. And if they could come back and do that again with Will Anderson, I, I, I think they're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the focus, right? Um, yeah. You know, Will Anderson is the best um, the best defensive player in college football, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, I don't think there's anybody better than him. I think he is the best player in, in college football, potentially, of, of all. Um, this year alone, he has 53 tackles, 17 and a half sacks, 17.5. Um, uh, Sachs said that already. 31 tackles for loss. Uh, this guy lives in the backfield. Two passes defensed. Um, he's pretty much un unblockable. And um, I, I think that uh, I think he's going to be pretty much unstoppable. And and Robert's asking if anybody's opting out. I have not heard of anyone. I haven't either. Out of this game. 
I have not either. I, I, I mean, I would be kind of surprised if anybody would opt out of this game because, I mean, quite frankly, yeah, you're playing for the national championship. And more importantly, I mean, this is about pride with these guys. I mean, these are teams, two teams in the SEC that, you know, Kirby Smart wants to get over that hump of being a Saban assistant and try to change the dynamics, not only within the SEC, but college football as a whole. I agree with that. But, you know, you have to, I think Robert asked a good question because you have to think about it now. I mean, we all watched the Ole Miss Baylor game and we yeah. all saw uh, the quarterback, Matt Corral, get injured and have to leave the contest. And, um, you know, I think that's something that all these guys are going to see and they're all going to have to think about moving yeah. forward. I mean, it, we've seen it over and over again with all these bowl games. Um, not so much maybe the college football playoff. I think most guys have, have stuck in there and hung in there for that. But, you know, we saw with the Rose Bowl, I mean, the Buckeyes got off to a slow start. And it was, in my estimation, primarily because, A, Utah's a pretty good football team. Yeah. And all their guys showed up. And, B, a lot of the Buckeyes didn't didn't play. We had, you know, Buckeyes had five guys missing on defense. All their receivers opted out. Uh, their left tackle, uh, Petit Faree, opted out. And we're going to see it more and more. It's, it, as Robert mentioned here, um, opting out is going to become even bigger, I think, as we move forward. Uh, agreed. What you think? Ag agreed. Agreed. I mean, heck, you look at that Penn State-Arkansas game. I mean, the second I heard that six guys on that defense, and they were their best guys. I mean, this is a defense that was lights out all year long. They were lying on that defense, and their offense, it was Sean Clitch Clifford, Jahan Dotson, and pray to God. And yeah. – I mean, you lose that many guys. I mean, heck, you lost not only five guys, you lost Sawyer early in the game to that targeting call. I, I mean, it, it's amazing how they were able to patchwork that together with a defense that really wasn't that strong all year long for Ohio State, for Ohio State standards. So, No, oh, no, the defense has been a problem. There, yeah. There's no doubt about it. But, um, you know, they've done a lot of things to try and fix it, and we'll get into it. We're going to hit the portal hard today. Uh, we're going to talk about quarterbacks first and break that down. And then we're going to uh, discuss some of the other impact players that are hitting the portal. But before we do that, I want to uh, go on and, and make our predictions. Uh, we're going to put you on the spot. Who's winning this game tomorrow? I'm going to go with Georgia. Honestly, I, I, I thought it was an aberration where that second quarter just kind of <clears throat> got in their head. And let's be honest, Stetson Bennett's not a quarterback that can bring you from, bring you from behind. I think Georgia's going to get out in the lead and put pressure on them. I think it's going to be a close game if Georgia wins. Now, there is that possibility if Bama wins, it could be a blowout, and we see a repeat of what happened in Atlanta a few weeks back. But I'm going with Georgia because I believe in that defense, and I think their their corners are going to have a much better game with Ringo, and I cannot remember the other guy's name. But it, they, if they, they come to play with Joan, no, no John Mechie, you got to go with Georgia. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take the uh, the Crimson Tide. I mean, let's be honest. They win the uh, they win the national championship every year. Um, I think in these big time games, it, it it comes down to the quarterbacks. I mean, it really does. We've seen it time and time again. You know, when Clemson, um, you know, got there but couldn't get over the hump, and then Deshaun Watson had a secondary chance, and it was during his best season. They won the national championship. Then they got back to the college football playoff with Kelly Bryant. Couldn't get it done because they, you know, he just wasn't the greatest passer uh, that, that we've ever seen. And so they went went ahead, made the switch the next year when Trevor Lawrence was a freshman. They went on and won the national championship. It just when you get into games like this and these teams are so close, yeah. uh, talent wise, sometimes it comes down to the quarterback. And I, I, you know, I'm taking the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, this guy is uh he's got ice water in his veins i mean we watched him struggle for almost four quarters against auburn i yeah. mean he, he had trouble he, he had it was probably not his best game but when it came down to the line you know they they finally got the ball back there was about a minute 36 and he just took him down the field punched it in the end zone and uh, won the game and just acted like it was no big deal and he reminds me a little bit with his mentality of Justin Fields. Uh, he never, you never see him get too fired up. You never see him get too low. He's just really even keel guy. Um, and he just, you know, he never gets too high. He never gets too low. 
And I, I think that'll serve him well because there may be some plays that, that don't go his way. As you mentioned, uh, Georgia's got a good defense. Yeah. Georgia's going to bring it. They're, they're, they've got tape to watch. Um, you know, let's talk about this Georgia defense for a second. They got, you know, we just talked about Will Anderson and his 17 and a half sacks and his 31 tackles for loss as well. You know, there's there's no slouches on the Georgia uh, defensive line. You got Quay Walker. Uh, this guy's got 57 total tackles. Um, you know, D- Nicobe Dean is a leader on this team. He's got 10 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, two interceptions, uh, scored a touchdown, four passes defense, two forced fumbles. I really, really like Nicobe Dean. Um, you know, Nolan Smith is a really good player who's who makes a lot of plays. Um, Jalen Carter might be one of the best D linemen we've seen in a long time. Eight and a half tackles for loss from a primarily uh, coming from the defensive tackle position. Um, you know, Robert Beals, pretty good player. I mean, we could go on and on. Uh, this Georgia defense is is pretty solid. Yeah, I, I I couldn't disagree with. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I think the heartbeat of that offense though is Nicobe Dean. I, I I think. I mean, he's a smart kid. He's just a really smart kid, and everybody focuses on Davis and Walker on that front line, but Dean is the guy that really wrecks havoc. I mean, also, I mean, you got to look at Ke- uh, Keely Ringo and Dear- uh, um, Darian Kendrick. I mean, those guys are really strong players. I mean, especially Ringo. I mean, if for those of you that follow high school football, there's a program out in Arizona called Swaharo in Scottsdale that is pumping out kids like nobody's business. I mean, they are sending many kids. I mean, you look at Denzel Burke up in uh, up at Ohio State. Yeah, he, he and Ringo were on the same freaking defense. No way. And, yeah. I, I mean, there's a kid at UCLA that played D end. I mean, it, it, it's amazing the product line so those out there if you file high school recruiting i mean swaharo is a mammoth program that you should watch wow i did not know that and they're both uh ringo's a redshirt freshman yeah and burke is a true freshman so pretty amazing And, and ringo's got some huge numbers this year um you know he's got seven passes defensed he's got an interception he has almost 30 tackles he's got a tackle for loss he's got a sack this guy is one of the best corners in all of football in my opinion and um like i said redshirt freshman so yeah pretty pretty impressive um you know kirby smart obviously uh you know harps on his defense he leans on it he played defense himself he was a defensive coordinator so We'll see, but, you know, he's going up against the best. I mean, Nick Saban is the greatest coach of all time. Anyone who argues with that is a moron. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to win like he's won, I mean, we've talked about on this show at length, at nauseum, if, to win like he's won during this time when not only do you have a fierce competition in recruiting, but you've got the portal where guys can leave and go wherever they want. It doesn't really matter what the rule changes are or what happens in college football, uh, what coaches he has, what coaches that he loses. It doesn't really matter. He just keeps on winning. And it's it's just unimaginable to me of how he can continue to win over and over again like he's done. It'd be interesting to look back and compare some of the dynasties from certain decades. Like you look at Nick Saban during his time at Alabama versus Pete Carroll during his run at USC. Or some of the Miami runs when you had, heck, Jimmy Johnson there. Uh, I mean, it'd be interesting to compare those dynasties because, I mean, heck, or even the 2001 Alabama, I mean, uh, Miami team where they were stacked all over the place. I mean, you had guys galore on that defense looking back on it. It could be one of the greatest of all time. But I, I agree with what Robert's saying. Nick Saban's the best coach of all time. And he, he showed at LSU. He showed it at Michigan State, taking over for Perlis. I mean, I bet you Michigan State's sitting back right now and saying, man, I wish we would have paid that million dollars a year and kept him in East Lansing because I think the dynamic in the Big Ten would have been much different today. Yeah, let's talk about this just for a second. We're going to get into the quarterbacks here in just one minute, but just to to get on to um, uh, Robert's point here and my point as well, Nick Saban is two. 74, 66, and 1. 2, 
74, 66, and 1. At Alabama, 15 years he's been at Alabama. He has won 183 games and lost 24. 183 and 24. That's an 88% winning percentage. And he's 15 and 5 in bowl games. I mean, that that's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I, can't, I, I can't even believe that those numbers are correct. I had to look them up this morning and double check them because I thought that that was uh, made up. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 honestly, you look at him too as well, but who has been the one mainstay that probably most people don't know about throughout the majority of his career? And the only time is when this guy was a head coach at Michigan State after Saban left, and that was Bobby Williams. You could definitely tell they have a relationship and they understand what each of them want to do. And it's going to be interesting seeing this move forward. And, you know, what does Alabama look like post Saban when he does decide to hang it up? Because this guy just loves the game of football. He just he's a teacher at heart. He is. And, uh, you know, it's a question of how long is he going to keep doing this? Because he's going to keep winning if he does. I mean, the. He's going to keep winning because he is uh, a guy that, um, you know, has proven longevity. He's proven consistency every year. I think I think I saw a stat for the last 15 years. His team has been ranked number one, at least uh, for two weeks throughout the season or longer. Uh, That's ridiculous. Um, I'm almost over it, to be honest with you. I'd love to see I, I picked Bama to win. But honestly, I'd love to see anyone else win. I hate Georgia. Uh, everyone knows that. I'm very vocal <laughs> about that. I, I don't like the dogs. I don't like their fans. I don't like their coach. I don't like anything about them. But I almost kind of want them to win uh, just because I'd like to see someone else win a national championship for once. Of course, we'd have to hear about it uh, for the next 50 years if Georgia did win because they're still talking about Herschel Walker uh, like it was yesterday. So uh, would be pretty annoying to to hear all about that, but you know we 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 could uh, we could see Bama win an, another title, and we could see him coach for another five years. The guy's seventy yeah. uh, years old right now, but he doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. No, no, and, and you just got a passion for it. I mean, you look at guys who long-standing coaches who stuck forever. Guys like Petit, uh, Paterno in Penn State, Bowden at Florida State, and Paul Barrett. I mean. You know, I, I, some of these guys just don't want to retire because, quite frankly, they don't know what to do with themselves. And they have such a passion for the sport and really helping kids as a whole. I mean, if he wants to continue doing it for the next 10 years, God bless him. I, I hope he does because it's, you know, when you got a job, you enjoy that much. Why not? Yeah, I mean, he. what else is he going to do? I mean, he's not yeah. going to go home and uh, play golf. I mean, he's not going to go home and and take up knitting. I mean, this guy is a, a football coach and he's going to yeah. coach as long as he possibly can. He's not going to retire and start playing bridge and, you know, throwing out bingo cards. I mean, <laughs> this, dude, uh, this dude wants to win as many national championships as he possibly can. And, and everyone's saying like, Oh, maybe this, maybe he'll retire after they win this year. Well, hell they win every year and he never even considers retirement. So I don't think, uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to stick around and, um, you know, this quarterback's coming back next year, too. We talk about, yeah. uh, you know, he won the Heisman Trophy. I, I just said that I think he's going to win, uh, you know, the national championship. Well, and then he's going to be back next year, and we're all going to have to contend with him. And, you know, these other teams are all trying to keep up. And that's how we segue into our next segment, and that is the transfer portal quarterbacks. I mean, this is the number one position. We're talking about, um, you know, the most important position on the field, Georgia has managed to get to the national championship game without uh, one of the top, you know, quarterbacks in the country, in my opinion, but he's played well enough at times to uh, get it done. He hasn't made huge mistakes. The question is, you know, can any of these other teams get better with one of these guys in the portal to where they can contend with Bama? And obviously, you know, where I'm going first, Mm -hmm. Uh, Oklahoma, this kid could have potentially won the Heisman this year if he'd started from the beginning of the year. But obviously, they went with Spencer Rattler. Lincoln Lincoln Riley did. Uh, Spencer Rattler was was projected to be the number one uh, pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. Obviously, things didn't go uh, as well as planned. He wasn't horrible, uh, but you know he struggled at times. And eventually, he was replaced by Caleb Williams. 
Uh, Lincoln Riley has since left. Spencer Rattler has transferred from Oklahoma to South Carolina. And we got the news, what, two, three days ago that uh, Williams has hit the portal. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he says, he claims that Oklahoma still on the on the docket. But, James, where the hell is he going? I, you know, that's a great question. You know, I, I think when they hired Jeff Levy to come in, that was to excite him to come back and coach uh, play again at OU. Um, and it's still possible. Uh, he, I mean, was, he was the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, correct? Ole, correct. And before that at UCF. Um, but I question that right now. And I'm going to probably throw out a prediction. And Grant, I have no inside information. But here's some names to look at. Adrian Martinez goes from Nebraska to Kansas State. Why did he go to Kansas State? Could have been a bunch of reasons. But isn't it ironic that his girlfriend goes to Kansas State? Keaton yeah. Slovis started at USC, now at Pitt, going across the country. Huh. His girlfriend goes to Pitt. Caleb Williams' girlfriend. You know where I'm going with this. Suddenly, their quarterback is going into the draft, and that's University of North Carolina. Go to Chapel Hill. Call me crazy. And I know everybody and their dog is saying USC or Georgia or whoever it is. I would keep an eye on North Carolina because – there is a possibility. I mean, that quarterback room isn't stacked. I mean, the backup was pretty good, but Caleb Williams playing in, in, in that system could work and get him because his whole goal is one thing, be the number one pick in the draft, plain and simple. If he's truly going for that, I would go head west and go see go see uh, Lincoln Riley again in South it's, uh, USC. But – I mean, if he's got the chance to go play, be with his girlfriend too at North Carolina, I could see it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about North Carolina. Uh, obviously, girls make dudes do crazy things. Correct. Um, so we we've all you know been a part of that. We've all done crazy stuff for for women throughout our lives, uh, which of course we should. Women are amazing, but. I'm not so sure he's going to go to UNC. I, I think, uh, you know, there's been talk about him potentially going to uh, UNC. There's been talk about him going to Georgia. There's been some, I've heard some rumors that he may go to uh, Ole Miss. Um, you know, obviously, you know, USC is is where a lot of people are projecting him because that's where his coach went to. But yeah. we also mentioned that he could, uh, you know, there's been rumors that he might go to UCLA. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, who we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, transferred from Central Florida to UCLA. I thought he had signed paperwork, but apparently he did not because now he's suddenly announced he's going to Oklahoma. Um, and I thought that was very interesting that it, it all kind of coincided together that he abruptly pulled his commitment from UCLA, announced he was going to Oklahoma, and then like a day later, we heard that Caleb Williams was gone. And uh, you know, is there is there any possibility that he goes to UCLA in your mind, James? I, it could be. I mean, I, I'm not sure it's a good fit for them. Um, the receiving core is not as strong at UCLA as you see at some of these other programs. Yeah, it's not. Um, but Chip Kelly has done great jobs with quarterbacks in the past. Now, does he make them number one picks or high draft picks? I mean, outside of Mariota with the short time he worked on him before he left to go to the pros. Yeah. But is that a comparison you want to make for somebody who wants to have a long career quarterback in the NFL? I mean, I like Marcus Mariota, but I, I, I question the transition process for him to that next level. Cause he was doing so many single reads at, at Oregon when he was there. So yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it's an interesting question. I could see UCLA. I mean, especially from an NIL perspective, because there's so many possibilities in Los Angeles. There's a lot of people that are boosters of UCLA or alumni that have tons of cash. Yeah. So we all know today in this day and age in 2022, you know, money talks and BS walks and uh, you know, it could be, you know, it could be a school that we're not even talking about where somebody says, Hey, I'll give you, you know, $5 million to come yeah. here and uh, you, you know, sponsor my car dealership or my uh, software company or whatever it is. Um, you know, there's things that can go on that we don't really know about. And there's th all this stuff now, and this is what the coaches are really, really, you know, upset about is it's, it's outside of the coach's control. Yeah. You know, the, the universities are the only ones that can't offer these kids money. 
Yeah. And the universities are the only ones that really can't control the situation. The boosters can, uh, businesses in the city where these schools are can do things. Um, you know, there's tons of, of different ways where these, you know, different universities can do these, uh, you know, that can have these kids, but can have no control over the situation because the universities can't pay the kids. Everybody yeah. else can, but the universities cannot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, quite frankly, I think everybody's thinking the players have more leverage right now. I disagree. I think the coaches have way more leverage than they ever have, because if they threaten to go to another school, players aren't going to colleges anymore. They're going to coaches. And you look at Oklahoma and how many kids have transferred out from there since the move of Lincoln Riley. And you could see how salary escalation could even be impacted more. Yeah, it's true. Um, there's definitely uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, uh, movement throughout the entire uh, world of college football. And, and honestly, right now, I, there was breaking news about 20 minutes ago. Uh, John Rise Plumley, the mm -hmm. uh, Ole Miss quarterback turned wide receiver, apparently is going to Central Florida. I don't know if you heard this, James, uh, but he has announced that he is going back to uh, going to Central Florida and is potentially going back to play quarterback. Interesting. Uh, honestly, I, I had not heard that. I knew he was in the portal, but it's interesting to say that because being on getting him on the Gus bus, I think he's a good fit for what's what they're planning on doing in Central Florida. I mean, you look at the success that when they've had it, uh, when um, Miles on had it Auburn, um, it's quarterbacks like John Reese Plumley that fit that mold. And it'll be interesting to see how those two interact with one another. I never understood the Bo Nix being in that system. I mean, let's be honest. He went there because he was, a legacy. yeah, he was a legacy. He was supposed to, I think his grandfather even played there now. I mean, he brings in a guy like Reese Plumley. That's a good fit. And really, I mean, the American conference or no doubt. Are they in the big 12 yet? Or are they still in the American? I think they're still in the American for one more year. I believe I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be, I mean, he's going to, it's a good program. I mean, quite frankly, they're going to get gobbled up. I knew there was only a matter of time before they get gobbled up strictly because of the recruiting possibilities and plus TV rights. So yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it should be interesting. Caleb Williams obviously is the number one guy right now and where he goes is going to determine a lot about what happens next year in college football. So we're going to be watching that very closely. Um, you know, when he makes a decision, I don't know. I would think it's going to be sooner rather than later. A lot of these guys have already chosen uh, where they're going. So he's got the ability to look and see, you know, who is where and what is what uh, before he makes up his mind. Now, let's talk about the guys that have already made their decisions really quick here. Um, obviously, we got to talk about Ewers, uh, one of the guys that I do not like and hope that he falls on his face. But let's be honest, he was the number one player uh, in the country coming out. Uh, let's call a spade a spade. Then he took money. Uh, all he cared about was money. He left high school, skipped his senior year. People may want to note that his high school team still went to the state championship game uh, without him. So, you know, we'll see how good he was. Or maybe just his high school program is really good, which it is. It uh, is. They've turned out guys. Uh, South Lake Carroll's turned out guys in the uh, pros. They've put tons of dudes in college. So, you know. I'm not saying he's not good, but, you know, we'll see how good he is really quick here because he has, uh, you know, after four months and three snaps pulled out of Ohio State. He's transferred to Texas. Uh, why he wants to go to a school that is, what, five and seven? I have no idea, I guess, because they probably paid him the most because all he cares about is money. Uh, what do you think about Ewers to Texas, James? I, I Honestly, I could see it being very potentially beneficial. Um you look at the style that Ewers plays, there's a lot of similarities between him and the way Pat Mahomes played at Texas Tech. Um, I mean, he finds a way of just getting the ball out on different uh, uh, different release points. Um, and there was, I mean, you look at their young receiving core, there's possibilities there. But we've seen it time and time again at Texas where you could have the best of situations and the it, it's just the moment's just too big for him. 
and it's a wait and see possibility. I want to see what this looks like, not next year in 22, but 23, how yours can handle that kind of pressure. Cause it's different in Texas. It's probably different than everywhere else in the country because their booster base is that intense. Yeah, I've got to see it before I believe it. I mean, we've heard talk nonstop about how Texas is coming back. We've seen it with Charlie Strong. We've seen it with Tom Herman. Uh, we, we heard it with Sarkeesian. Over and over again, I, I hear every year that they're going to be you know back on top and that they're uh, going to make a run for the Big 12 championship and make a run for the national championship. And then what happens um, they get their ass kicked and end up going six and six, five and seven, whatever. And it, it doesn't really come to fruition. But if you do have a blue chipper at quarterback and you've got a guy that can sling it all over the field, that can make up for a lot of, of other issues. And, um, you know, if this guy's as good as advertised, we'll see. I mean, I'd love to hear what Ryan Day thinks about him. Um, you know, I, I know that Ryan Day had the opportunity to, to keep him in, in Columbus. I mean, he basically went up to him from what I've heard and asked, Hey, am I going to be the starter next year? I need to get my, you know, part of my NIL deal is that I need, uh, to be the starter. And I need to know right now if I'm going to start next year. And, and what I heard was Ryan Day said, you know, no, you know, I mean, you, you can potentially earn the job, but CJ Stroud is our quarterback and. He looks pretty damn good in the Rose Bowl, throwing for almost 600 yards and six touchdowns. So, you know, I, I think Ryan Dade knows quarterbacks, and obviously he recruited him, so he thinks he's good. But, you know, we'll see how good he is because there's going to be a lot thrust on his shoulders really quickly. Yeah, and, I mean, remember, you still got Hudson Carr down in Texas too as well, So who started some games this year. And it, it'd be interesting how they balance all that out. You know, one guy I want to bring up that a majority of people, actually three guys I want to talk about, that a majority of people aren't going to really talk about big in the transfer portal because the, the upper echelon is just so big, is Cam Ward going from incarnate word to Washington State and still having three more years of eligibility. I guarantee you 95 to 99% of the people that watch your show have no clue who Cameron Ward is. But this is a kid who blew up. Last year alone, this past season, 4,600 yards passing, 47 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. He's going to Washington State with the new Dickert offense, which we all know at Washington State, they're going to throw the ball. <laughs> and and it, it's going to be remarkable to see how he transitions. And people got to keep their eye on him because everything I've heard about this kid, I caught some highlights. The kid's good. The kid's really good. And it's going to be interesting to watch that Pac-12 North develop with a lot of changeover overall in that conference. I mean, Oregon State's getting better. Washington's bringing in Kalen DeBoer, who's a very underrated coach. And he's bringing in Michael Penix Jr., the old Indiana quarterback, with him. And it's going to be interesting. That you're going to see a lot more speed uh, and, and a lot more excitement to that offense than you've seen the last two years under Jimmy Lake and Jim Donnan at, at, at OC, where it was very – they were relying on the defense. It was like a 1980s football team. Um, yeah, and, and then we also got uh, Bo Nix going to Oregon as well. Correct. So, you know, not my favorite quarterback, but a guy that's played a lot of college football and, and has had some success. Uh, the question is, you know, what's, what is Oregon going to look like next year, you know, with this new coaching staff? Obviously, Correct. Cristobal, you know, everybody thought Mario Cristobal was going to be there forever. Uh, I thought he did such a great job, gave him all this praise, and then he bolted uh, after one season. So they're going to have to start all over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, another guy to think about is Connor Bazelak. He's the old Missouri coach, our quarterback. Oh, yeah. He's now going to Indiana. Yeah. Uh, I, I Honestly, I, I think it's a great fit. I mean, Tom Allen, I mean, he coaches at Indiana, for Christ's sake. I mean, yeah. that's a tough place to play because no matter how hard you try – you're always going to be second fiddle to Notre Dame in that state. And it's hard to recruit when you've got Ohio State to the east of you, you got uh, Michigan to the north of you, and they go into Indiana and recruit against you pretty fiercely. And Tom Allen's done a great job. I mean, when the Florida State job came open, I honestly thought Tom Allen should have gotten that job because he was a high school coach down there. He recruits incredibly well down there. Indiana keeping him is just a testament to the – 
you know, the dedication that that university wants in football. They they don't want to be just a basketball school anymore. They really want to win. And I, I think this year was an aberration. I think you're going to see Tom Allen be the next uh, Fitzgerald, like at Northwestern, where they're going to come back and you're going to have to fight to beat them. And it's very difficult. Yeah, no, I love I love Coach Allen. He's a guy that players will run through brick walls for. And let's be honest, oh, yeah. what he did for two years there, honestly, was amazing. This year they they struggled. Um, it was a struggle all year. Penix, you know, just hasn't been healthy. When when Penix yeah. has been healthy, he's he's been good. And Penix is from Florida, also. Uh, by the way, we may want to put that out there. Um, yeah. and, and when he's healthy, he's played really good. It's just been injuries. Uh, that that have struggled, uh, you know, caused him to struggle, and you turnovers. know, and turnovers too. When he oh. has played, he's thrown it to the other team, but I just don't think he's been 100% right. Yeah, uh, since he's he got hurt, and uh, they need a quarterback. And this kid uh, that you just mentioned, who who's coming from Missouri, played some good ball last year. Yeah. I mean, Missouri didn't have a ton around him, and uh, you know, Connor Basilak played pretty good, and he's a guy that was a four star recruit. Um, you know, has a good arm, and I think he can make a big difference because when Indiana had a quarterback that was making throws, um, they were causing problems in the Big Ten. Oh, completely. I mean, the success of that team was, I mean, the difference of them being a bowl team and not being a bowl team was the sheer amount of turnovers they had. I mean, the defense was still there. The problem was they were dealing with a short field all the time. And you cut down those turnovers – they're they're making noise again. I mean, it's this is not the Indiana of old where maybe once a decade they make a bowl game. They're going to be a player in the East moving ahead. Yeah, I want to talk about another guy with you for a second. Um, this is a guy who is another dude like Bo Nix who had a, a dad that was a good quarterback. Uh, this is a guy who played in six games as a freshman at LSU. Last year he played in 12 games. Uh, and I'm talking about, obviously, Max Johnson. Um, you know, he threw for about 2,800 yards, 27 touchdowns, six interceptions, not bad numbers at all um, at LSU this year. The problem was it didn't really lead to victories. And so, you know, that's my question is I'm, I'm kind of torn between how great this guy is because they had talent around him. I mean, John Butte is one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen and, um, you know, ranks right up there with me in my opinion, with with Chase and with all those other guys, uh, Justin Jefferson, all those great wide receivers at LSU. And, you know, they they struggled winning games. Obviously, their coach is fired less than two years after winning a national championship. And now Johnson bolts. He's headed to Texas A&M. Is this a guy that can get uh, Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies into the college football playoff? I, honestly, I thought he was a good quarterback. Um, it, it, when when he originally announced he was going to transfer, it did not shock me. What did I? I but I, as soon as he got in the portal, I'm like, it's only a matter of time before he goes back to his dad's alma mater. What people don't know is his kid brother Jake Johnson, who's a very highly rated tight end, is kind of a package deal in this whole thing. And when I heard he was going to A and M. It made complete sense. I mean, former Florida State coach, there's a relationship in the family from recruiting in the past. I mean, a lot of it really added up together. And quite frankly, the way you look at Jimbo's pro-style offense, I think Max really fits more to that system than he would a Florida State. I mean, you look at him and the old schoolers that are on here that remember his dad when he played at Florida State and for the Vikings and for Tampa Bay. They're literally clones of one another. They play very similar to one another. And I think long-term benefit, I think Max Johnson going to AM is a great fit. I think he's uh I think he's an upgrade at the position. Yeah. Uh, for them. I really do. Um, I know that they had, you know, they had guys last year. They went through they were played what two, three quarterbacks, including Zach Calzada, who was, you know, up and down. Um, Calzada is now going to Auburn and is slated to take over the starting role over, you know, with Bo Nix's departure. Um, but I wasn't really impressed with Calzada. I mean, let's be honest, Texas A&M, uh, they were led by their defense last year. Uh, their defense at times, you know, was pretty much unstoppable. And there was several games that I watched where if they could just score a point, uh, you know, three points, they could have won. 
And so this quarterback position is going to be very important for them moving forward. And I'm just hoping this is the right guy, because if they want to take that next step and contend for, you know, the SEC West and contend for the national championship, which if you can contend for the SEC West, you can contend for the national championship. They're going to need somebody that can can put points on the board and and throw the ball around. Well, and the one thing to remember is Calzada wasn't the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. And I'm trying to remember, they started a true freshman um, who got hurt during the Colorado game where, I mean, they struggled against Colorado. And let's be honest, Colorado was not a strong program. I mean, Minnesota went in there the next week, held them under 100 yards total offense in in Boulder and beat them 30 to nothing. I mean, yeah, is, uh, Haynes King was that's it. Haynes King. I kept saying Hudson Carr, and I'm like, I know that's a Texas quarterback. I mean, it, 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 it's it, they never really felt like they clicked on offense. Yeah. And Calzada, I mean, played a hell of a game against Alabama, but he, he was up and down all year long. He and won. I think him getting a new start at his new place is going to help him out a lot going to Auburn. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think uh, sometimes a change of scenery can be uh, can be very very helpful. And uh, absolutely, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it, there's there's going to be less pressure on him at, at Auburn, in my opinion. I mean, Auburn obviously they they want to win, and you know there's there's pressure to win there. But I think um, he'll be able to kind of ease more into the starting quarterback role there. Um, you know, with the Tigers and. Um, I'm interested to see what what Max Johnson does. Obviously, he's got they got him, they got his brother, and the LSU quarterback position is something I want to talk about really fast. Um, they had Johnson, they had Brennan, uh, they had a couple of guys. Um, you know, the the gentleman that transferred to Auburn the year before, uh, who who played pretty well at times. So they've had three pretty good quarterbacks. Well, right now, um, everybody was in the portal. You know when. Um, Coach uh, Orgeron got fired and got sent out of town. Everybody was in the portal. Well, I think Miles Brennan sat back and kind of waited a little bit too long. And after Johnson left and went to AM, you know, Brennan's coming back. What do you think about him? That's going to be interesting to think about now. I mean, you bring in Brian Kelly, and Brian Kelly always wants to strengthen the line of scrimmage because that's just who he is, dating back to his Grand Valley days. You know, I, I could see Brennan, but I mean, what about a guy like Garrett Nussmeyer too, as well? I mean, that guy comes from a quarterback family. Um, it, it's something that LSU really has to strengthen. Uh, I mean, outside of the Joe Burrow 2019 year, I mean, you got to go back probably to Jamarcus Russell to see stable quarterback play at LSU, wouldn't you say? Um. Yeah, you you mean before Burrow? Before Burrow. I mean, heck, you look at Burrow's first year at LSU. I mean, it looked like Zat Meckenberger and like Danny Etling, a former Purdue guy. I mean, go down the list. It's just like they always looked like quarterback was always the thing that was holding them back. They had the receivers. They had the running back. They had the offense and defensive line. This quarterback play was just so inconsistent. And I mean, a guy like Garrett Nussmeyer, who comes from that quarterback kind of family, I I could potentially see it. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you, and um, that's it's a good 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 thought to think about. We'll see if LSU's uh, guy can be any good. Uh, we've got our guest with us right now. I'm going to bring him on. Get ready because we've got the legend, Mr. Travis Stevens, with us right now. How you doing, Trav? Yeah, I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Good morning. Good Sunday morning, man. How yes, doing? sir. It's morning. good to see you. How you been, Travis? Yeah, I've been doing good. Blessed. Very blessed, bro. Very, very blessed. Right. Awesome, man. We appreciate you joining us. We were just talking a little college football here, something you know a lot about. Uh, we were breaking down. A little bit. The, uh, a little bit. Not a lot, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do, man. Bit. All time great. And we were talking about the SEC dominating once again. Uh, we got the big game tomorrow. Let us know yeah. uh, who you like, man. You like Georgia. You like Bama. Who you think's going to win? And what do you think about this season as a whole? I don't know. The season has been good, man. As far as you know, with the with those two teams, they really dominated. Um, I've been pulling for Georgia for for a while. Um, I just I don't know. It's you know Alabama is just hard. You know I guess they got the number, but I'm really pulling for Georgia. Um, I won't I won't bet 
on the game, but uh, Georgia, I think it's their year. They just got to come to play, man. It's going to be a tough one, though, and, and a good. It's going to be a good matchup, I believe. Hey, hey, Travis, is it hard to cheer for Georgia and Bama since they're old rivals of yours? I mean, it's kind of like you kind of want like a tie to happen in the end because no matter what, you're kind of depressed that one of your rivals is going to win the national championship. So it's like a no-win situation. What are your thoughts? No, I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, as long as they're not playing Tennessee, if they play in Tennessee, I'm going for Tennessee. Uh, a period. Anybody that plays Tennessee, but they're not like Tennessee doesn't have a a fight in this in this match. So you know, I, I you know, I don't mind if one or the other lose. Like, I mean, uh, win or lose or whatever. But um, as far as I know, people always talk about Alabama. Like, you know, I know they've been great for the last ten or so years or whatever. But I always told people, I said, I, I don't have anything against Alabama because I've never lost Alabama during the, my playing days. So why would I be mad? You know? <laughs> why would we be yeah, mad people, at them? But no, yeah, but yeah, like I said, like we we're not in it. So uh, you know, somebody has to win. Um, you know, uh, during the time I played, I've, I've developed good relationship with the players of those other teams. So um, it's not like you know, I've never been mad at nobody that plays for any of the, uh, uh, you know, of our, our rivals or whatever. So yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And Travis, I got to ask you a question. I mean, obviously, you know, back when you played for Tennessee, they were rolling. Uh, Tennessee was dominating. You know, they finished in the top 10, top five year after year. And, it, you know, that's a hard thing to do. And now we're seeing Coach Saban and Bama do it year in, year out. And I just want to get your thoughts on Coach Saban and, and the dynasty that he's built down there. It's pretty impressive, right? Of course, he's done a great job, man. He's he's built a system that has worked, you know. So um, that's that's a good thing about it, you know. Even even though he had coaches coming in and out and stuff, so he's still a system. As long as he's in place, uh, whatever he's doing is, is is working, you know. And a lot of his coaches have left on and, and had great success, like the coach he's playing against now. And uh, yeah. but it seems like most of them can't beat him. So. That that system, that that pedigree, whatever he's doing, man, it is it, crazy. Cause you know we played against him in the. I, I just you know I realized well some years ago, but it was Nick Saban. Of course, we lost to in uh, against when he was playing with LSU. I coached him in LSU, so uh, and he won a championship there. So whatever he's doing is is working um, um, down there in Alabama. So like I said, it's just I hope we can get on some kind of uh, you know rhythm like that at Tennessee. And um, I, I think we're in a, you know in the in the right direction right now. So um, like I said, we just you know, just got to hope for the best right now. So, but um, yeah, Saban is doing a great job. Yeah, and, and just to piggyback off that, James, I'll let you uh, jump in here in a second. I just want to piggyback off that and talk about uh, Tennessee and Coach Heupel. I thought he did a tremendous job this year, considering you know beginning of the year depth was an issue, only seventy uh, scholarship players. A yeah. lot of attrition with guys going starting all over, uh, you know, the country. Henry Toto starts for Alabama, for example, uh, and a lot of other guys that left. He was able to uh, win seven games and, and get us to a bowl game. And I, I've got to say, uh, I was pretty impressed with that. I just want to get your thoughts on on Heupel's first year and where you think uh, Tennessee's headed. Well, like like Hypo, I like what he's doing. I like, you know, having, you know, Tennessee, we haven't seen an offense like that. Even when I played, we were just a, you know, ground and pound, pound type of of, of team. And in this new DNA, just like it's a pass heavy, uh, you know, system with, you know, everybody. So uh, I'm like, I'm enjoying, you know, we like as an offensive guy, I like touchdowns. I like, you know, people scoring, you know, scoring. And then, you know, of course, I do like defense, but, but, um, I believe the direction he's taking this team in with the, you know, with the players that he's, uh, you know, that he already acquired um, and, you know, with everybody leaving, I think he's done a, a wonderful job. And I think that's going to, we're going to build on that by, you know, we've got, you know, these high school players, uh, you know, these good players out of high school will see that and they'll be like, well, you know, cause everybody can't go to one team. Everybody can go to Alabama. Everybody can go to Georgia. Everybody can go to these, some of these power, other powerhouse uh, SEC teams. So, um, I think that does help us in a way to see, you know, as a me, as I know, as a high school player. And if I see you know, as a receiver or anything or quarterback, I'd be like, well, Tennessee is on a, on a rise right now. And so um, I would definitely, you know, I definitely think that, the, you know, be an open eye for any player that's coming out of high school and seeing what this is doing. Hey, Travis. Uh, this is James Bonneville here. You know, I, I look back at your career yeah. when you came in as a 
as a freshman, you had Lewis and Bryson and Henry and yourself in your running back room. And I mean, you guys were grinding it out. I mean, it's kind of legendary thinking back all the, the depth you guys had in that room. But you look at the culture today is so different with the transfer portal. You know, how, what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? Because it seems like there's a lot of guys who they get right there to the end and they're not getting the snaps. They're going to try to go to somewhere else where, I mean, you guys are always like probably, I'm not sure where your friends or not, but competing with one another and being in that same room where it's kind of legendary kind of thinking back. I mean, what are your thoughts about the transfer portal today moving ahead? As far as with players, I think it's a good thing. It is a good thing because if they're not getting the opportunity to play, you know, if, if a team is not going to use you, yes, I believe you should go somewhere where you, you need it, where, you, you know, we're going to be used because, you know, with me, I could have almost wasted a year. If, if, if I wouldn't have went to Coach Former my, after my sophomore year and asked him for a red shirt, it would, I would have never had a senior, that senior year, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I know coaches don't like it because they want all, you know, they want everything, you know, they want all the good players they, they can have. But um, at the same time, you got to look at your, you know, your future, and your, you know, the situation you're in, you want to play. Of course you want to play. And I don't mind playing with, you know, great players. If, like I said, as long if I, if I'm not playing, it's, the person in front of me is going to be great. You know, that's all I always thought because I know yeah. what I'm going to do when I get out there. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and I didn't mind that. So, but then again, you know, you got to look at, you know, I had to look at my situation and make sure that um, uh, I wasn't going to waste a, a college career in which if I wouldn't have registered it uh, after my sophomore year. And usually people, you know, they registered their they first year, you know, um, yeah. you know, I asked for this little church so I can have all I said, all I said to coach, I just need, you know, one year. And I was, you know, tell them I just need one year, you know, so um that you know that worked out so i believe you know with the transfer portal right now it's good for players you know as long as you know they use it the right way and you know they know what they're doing you know they you know they see the situation they're in and and you know a possible situation that they can uh you know uh be used in if they have to go to another college yeah no i think that's i think that's spot on trav and i i i agree with you 100% you know i think it's something that needs to be there and there needs to be the ability to let guys go because these coaches jump around uh, with no yeah, restrictions. Yeah, exactly. They can sell you a bill of goods and tell you all this stuff and get you to come to their school. And yeah, then you, yeah. you arrive right. on campus and they're outie yeah, uh, because yeah, somebody's yeah. offering them more money like Brian Kelly. So I, I yeah. think that that's important. But, you know, we had Reggie Brooks on the show a couple of weeks ago and he talked right. about how, you know, he he never he wasn't getting to play at all when he got to Notre Dame. Jerome Bettis was there and Raheem Ismail and yeah. Ricky Waters. Waters. And, his brother, uh, Tony Brooks, and he was right. six or seven on the depth chart and he was considering transferring, but he said that he would never change it because he stayed there. He had an amazing season, similar, not as good as yours, but close to as good as yours at Notre Dame. And he still yeah. works there. So sometimes waiting it out and yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, waiting for your turn is, is good. Right, Trav? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, cause I wouldn't, like I said, I, I, that's what I did. I waited, you know, as long as like I said, I wait, I sit out. I don't mind, you know, being patient. But like I said, um, um, as long as, you know, you're going to be useful, you want to be some kind of use of, of tennis. I would have been no use if I wouldn't have played, you know, if I would have just continued to, you know, to, to play out uh, and not redshirt. So, yes, it just depends on, you know, each is uh, player situation uh, that works out best for them, man. So, you know, that's all that is. Hey, from a culture standpoint, like I look back at your high school career with uh, Coach Burke at Northeast, Coach Fulmer at Tennessee, and also your position coach and Coach McCorvey. You know, we all see the frontward facing side of it. What was the culture behind the scenes and how that helped shape you as a player? Because I think that's a lot of things that people don't talk about. They just see the product in the field and they see the interviews. What was the culture like off field and how that helped motivate you to be the best player you could be? Uh, first, you know, they treat you like men first, you know, and, you know, they, they were kind of like, you know, those coaches are like father figures, you know, and like Woody McCorvey, he always, man, I never heard any, you know, you know, you, you meet somebody that always have a story about everything, you know, Coach McCorvey is one of those guys, you know, so, um, and, uh, you know, Coach, I had Coach, it was Coach Butler and then uh, Burke in, in high school, but um Butler was one of those coaches man that would get you ready for you're ready for any game it can be you can be playing like a 10 year olds a peewee team you know you're <laughs> high school and he'll have you really 
he psychologically have you thinking that you can lose to this team. So, but he'll have you fucking ready to go for any team uh, that you uh, face. And uh, like I said, Rand- Randy was Randy was my first uh, position coach when I got to UT. Uh, you know, good guy. You know, he has stories as well. So um, each is you know for each coaches they have that different way of you know getting you uh, motivated and whatever. But you know, as players, you know, we want to play. So. Uh, Sometimes it don't take anything, you know, we just want to win, you know, I'm a winner, you know, I hate losing. So um, that's just, you know, it's part of it. Yeah. Well, they didn't lose very often when you were out there. Travis. I just want to hear a little bit about, uh, you know, that, that 2001 season, you know, what was the mentality, um, you know, going into that year? Because obviously you were the guy uh, you were going to get the carries, but you know, there was um, you know, there was, guys that came before you, there was guys that were going to come after you, but what was your mentality going into that season that led to you having such an amazing record setting season? Uh, just to make sure I was ready. You know, I knew it was going my, my, you know, knew it was my turn. So I had to make sure me, uh, like before I was like, uh, let me have my, let me have my season, you know? So but anyway, I just had to make sure I was ready in the off season. I did extra, you know, you have to do extra when you know it's your, your turn. So be you know uh you got to be over ready just about so i was training you know outside the team and then with the team and you know i was just doing extra stuff uh this guy vince martin i know he went to university of tennessee he was a track guy and he also worked for the university after he he left but he was a uh like a uh a workaholic like as far as um training a trainaholic whatever you want to call it you know um still to this day but um, he had this, we call this, we call it like the underground workout system that uh, we'll get up five in the morning, you know, meet at Tom Black, uh, Black Track and we'll do drills and, and all kind of uh, hard stuff. We did, I know one one workout, we did a mile of lung, lunges. Ever try a mile of lunges, doing lunges for a mile, you know, back and forth. <laughs> And then try to, like, I couldn't even walk the next couple of days, you know, just trying to get up and everything. So, I mean, that's the, some of the stuff that we went through as far as getting ready. And then I was, like I said, I was doing things with the football team, you know. So I had a real tough off season to prepare for, you know, that, you know, that 2001 season. So I was definitely ready. And I wasn't going to let, you know, that opportunity pass me. Hey, right. take, take us back to that 2001 Florida game. I mean, <laughs> not only were you hungry – Hungry as ever for that senior season. I can only imagine yeah. you were probably chomping at the bit so much. But that Florida game, I mean, it, it, quite frankly, it was magical. I mean, what was going through your mind during that time period? I mean, Graham, we're talking 20 years ago now. But, I mean, yeah. not only that game and doing what you did, but doing it against Spurrier had to have been even more sweet during that process. So t- take us there. Yeah, well, I just remember coming in, you know, my Freshman year in '97, that was my first. That was our first time. That was Peyton senior year, going down there and um, uh, just witnessing the atmosphere, seeing you know. Of course, that was the if throughout that whole year, that was the one game that I just know the press, everybody else, you know, was talking about. So it was just you know, even coming into from high school, coming into. Uh, uh, college to UT and they always talk about the Florida game you know what I'm saying so this is like the biggest game of the year it wasn't it wasn't even Alabama Alabama was traditionally big but Florida you know at the present time was the, the biggest game so a lot of media attention was put on that and you know the coaches players I mean it was just you know it was different you knew it was it was different it was a big you know it was a big stage so being a freshman not not playing at that time of that game and just you know I don't know if you've been to Florida and, and heard you know that's probably the lot of stadium in history of, of college football. I don't know. The last name I've been in, but um, as far as um, that atmosphere, I loved it, you know, and I was like, I needed that. I, you know, I wouldn't, um, you know, if I ever had the opportunity, I was going to make sure, I, you know, I took advantage of it, uh, being down here in Florida against all odds when you're not, you know, able, you're not supposed to win. So uh, coming to my season, senior season, with that year was going to be, you know, of course it was going to be in Florida, uh, but you know, it was 9-11, um, where, you know, and I'm kind of, I ain't gonna say I'm glad that 9-11 happened, but it was, you know, it was, it was we would be, we would have been like, um, I think we had like three or four guys uh, hurt, you know, John Henderson hurt. We had a lot of guys who wouldn't help. So it was pushed back uh, toward the end of that year. And uh, I just knew going in that game, I just wanted to be prepared and ready and focused, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of people <laughs> think that you have to have, like, I didn't expect to have a big game, but I just expected to come in and be in focus and doing whatever I needed to do to uh, help the team win. 
And of course, you know, my focus is on, y'all know, I guess it was on 110 that, that day. And, uh, you know, my offensive line, man, we had a great offensive line. A lot of those guys went to the pros as well. But um, yeah. it was just a game where, I, you know, one of those games that I, I got in a zone, you know, I got in a zone, you know, I seen everything, uh, you know, holes opening up and, and I was just very in tune and in, in, in focusing, just winning the game. You know, a lot of guys will make a big play and they'll get up and, and act like the game is over. Like, you know, that like that, you know, playing Florida, you know, Florida that year was if you heard Spurrier Spur said that's probably one of his best, his best Florida teams. And yeah, um, them guys, you can't just, you know, have a big play and, and expect to be like the game's over, score touchdown, the game is over, the game is over, the game is not over until it's zero zero, you know. The, I mean the, the, the clock is zero uh, zero zero. But um, like I said, it was just one of those games where I was in the zone and um and I felt good. And like I said, I did not want to lose, you know. I did not want to lose. And, you know, and if y'all remember that before the game, you know, game day, they counted us out. They they said, you know, we had no chance of, 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 of winning. And uh, we're number four team in the nation. I was like, man, it was a total disrespect. So that was a little bit of extra motivation in getting all of us prepared. You know what I'm saying? So that was, you know, like I said, it was a special game. And I'm glad, you know, I'm glad we are uh, being victorious. And, uh, of course, it'll be always something that I will remember. Yeah. Well, Travis, I will always remember it too, buddy. I mean, I, I, I just love the way that you played and the way that you got after it and the way that you were a complete back, you know, catching balls, running balls, blocking when you had to, uh, I will never forget it. And, uh, you will always be one of my favorite players. And, uh, and we got a, a guest it. here that asked a question. Uh, this is Robert. He said, he, uh, Travis, I appreciate the way you played. Uh, what are you up to these days? Yeah, I'm doing just working, taking care of the family, man. Like I said, I'm just you know, and we're trying to stay in shape, man. I I can look like it, but I don't feel like I can play ball. But yeah, I'm just like just taking that <laughs> bad little two bad little girls, man. I gotta you know look out for them and, and, and old lady. So yeah, it's just yeah, just I'm maintaining, man, and and playing fantasy football. <laughs> nice, nice. I love it. <laughs> Well, Trav, man, we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for coming on our show. We got a lot of uh, Tennessee fans that that watch, and they, uh, I know they love this, and uh, I loved it. So thank you so much for giving us a few minutes and uh, joining us on a Sunday. Thanks for having me, man. Peace out and go balls, right, baby. Hey. All right, man. Go balls. Hey, thank Be good. you. Have a great day. All right. That was the legend, Travis Stevens, 1,464 yards. 2001. Um, I just remember, you know, like you mentioned when he was a freshman, uh, Travis Henry, Jamal Lewis, Sean Bryson, you know, they, there was so many good running backs and there was good running backs before Travis got here. We had, uh, Tennessee had Charlie Gardner. They had, um, uh, what was the, the other guy that I'm thinking? Tony Thompson, you know, just the, go down the list and it was, it was running back you, yeah. Uh, for a little while. I mean, it, it really was. And, you know, John Littleman Stewart, Aaron Hayden, um, those were those were teams that um, just, you know, really relied on running the football. And they had good good quarterbacks. And, and when Peyton came, they threw it a little bit more. But after Peyton left, they went back to the run. And, yeah. you know, everybody said Travis was too small to be the uh, full-time workhorse running back. And, you know, uh, Jay Graham was the guy that I forgot. That's right. Jay Graham. But, um, you know, Travis wasn't having any of that. And he worked, like he said, he worked his butt off. And when he got his opportunity, he made the most of it. And he is still, um, you know, the all-time leading rusher for a single season at UT and first-team All-American. And uh, as you just saw there, a great guy. Absolutely. You know, he's one of those guys that when adversity hit, he ran into the fire, you know. A lot of people in these day and age may run away from it. He's one of those guys that's going to run to it and take it on head on. And you got to respect what he did. I mean, not everybody could handle a room like that where, you know, you come in kind of ballyhooed and your kind of chest is puffing out. And you come in a room where every single one of the guys we just mentioned played in the NFL. You know, yeah. it, it, I mean, everyone, every single one. And look what he did that 2001 season. I got to imagine at the end of the year, he had to feel proud of what he accomplished and it's great to have him on here telling us his story today. Yeah, it was cool to get to talk to him. Um, he's a great guy, uh, you know, and, and he's talking about, he's still working out and stuff. I saw him 
and uh, Travis Henry both, and they look like they could both still play, man. They're jacked, <laughs> ripped up, and uh, I, I tell you what, if they you got them out there and hand them the ball a few times, they could still uh, get some yards. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to uh, call it for the day, um, but what a great show, man. We, we previewed the college football playoff, which is tomorrow. I hope everybody enjoys the game. I hope that uh, possibly, potentially, somebody besides Bama and Nick Saban can win a national championship, even if it is, uh, has to be Georgia. And uh, we're going to talk a lot more about the portal and the guys that are going from team to team as this offseason rolls along, because I think it's really important now uh, some of these teams are able to add depth and also add, you know, key contributors at key positions. So we're going to get into that a little bit more. Uh, James, I appreciate you. Uh, joining us today, and I, I look forward to speaking with you uh, in the weeks to come. Absolutely. we got to get the starter back, Enrico McCoy, too, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, man, I hope he's uh, feeling better. I hope that uh, I hope that he gets well, and I hope he can come join us and uh, be a part of the show because uh, we need him. And, Absolutely. And uh, we're, uh, we're looking to, for him to come back and join me and you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, buddy, have a great rest of the weekend, and I will talk to you real soon, okay? Hey, talk to you all. Thanks for all joining us. All right, buddy. Have a great day. And thank you to all our watchers and listeners and everybody that tuned in. Uh, we appreciate you guys and uh, you make the show what it is uh, joining us uh, every week. And uh, risotto, I love you, bro. Uh, Phi Kappa Psi, live or die. Keep it up, bro. Have a good one. And everybody enjoy the rest of your weekend.